Why do you look for the living among the dead? Lord, make me a Joe yeah, man, I yeah. heard your podcast, and you guys do the Pete Holmes slow roll in, right? And you caught him, dude. Totally, yeah, caught I know. <laughs> I was, I was shocked, and I think like we're still, you know, we're still kind of trying to like find our voice and our flavor. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Do you do like the NPR, like uh, we're here with Joe Quinn, uh, podcast. I just try to put us like bullshitting at the beginning. Oh, you it listen. feels it feels natural, but really our friendship is all <laughs> it's all just chopped up and edited. It's very scripted. Yeah, we're getting better and better at, at faking it. So. I'm excited of where we could go with this um, we'll see. pretend relationship that we've, yeah. we've established we'll, so far. We'll see if we're able to keep it going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound very hopeful. But. I well, you're the optimist of the pair. <laughs> One of um, us has to be. Yeah. So, Joe Quint, you host a podcast, Choose right. Your Own Religion. Right. It's a fascinating topic. You most Are most of the people that come on your show... Are they spiritualists to some degree? Are they predominantly atheist, agnostic? I'd say it's 50-50. I mean, I try to find people that have something or have had something, but I also try to get a lot of comedian friends of mine or a lot of people I don't know what they are. A lot of people end up being kind of agnostic or skeptical. Mm. Uh, but I, I really want to try to have a good balance, even from week to week, of like not too much of like... Because sometimes I feel like it does get too like, oh, like I'm like Christianity is awesome, or like, right. oh, no, fuck Christianity. So, like, <laughs> right. trying to. That's kind of where we're headed. Yeah, I can we, curse on this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. We're, we're, proud. Pretty, we're pretty proud of the fact that we're the only Christian spirituality podcast <laughs> with an E. <laughs> oh, what an honor. Yeah, I think yeah. I have that on mine yeah. as well. It's uh, a bad. It's but a bad yours honor. is in the comedy genre, right? It is currently. I think, I think yeah. Okay. Then there's like, yeah, we're, we're thinking about maybe reclassifying it, but who knows? It's a, a, I, think it fit, really... I think it fits squarely in the <laughs> spirituality. The ones that I've heard yeah. uh, are really interesting. You get yeah. into some super interesting spiritual I stuff. definitely would have thought yours would land there. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, it's like one of those things where because I have a lot of people from the comedy world on, I think that's where I originally put it, but then... Uh, and it seems to be doing well with that categorization because it's somewhere. I still I was just talking to Ryan about this the other day. Like I don't know whether it's more of a comedy podcast for spiritual minded people or a spiritual podcast for like comedy nerd Maybe type people. Maybe it's uh, both. It's like that a weird. Is, that's an interesting like yeah. what direction is it coming from? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I try to straddle that fence. I try to straddle the fence as much as I possibly can. And I not like, pick a side. I feel like yeah. that's our. Maybe that's our generation is kind of postmoderns whatever you want to call us it's yeah. like I don't want to be in a category like I want both you know I, I would yeah well I mean dude as long as like as soon as I start having any kind of like absolutist type sentiment or statement or have a really strong opinion I I already start arguing against it right hmm. halfway af- out of my fucking mouth yeah I'm like oh yeah well all God is love well there's also there's there's times where it's like <laughs> not quite God maybe is but, everything <laughs> not just love and well so right. like yeah. this yeah. is this is what I always hear though in like super like smarty pants religious communities it's like you would say god is love and they'd be like but love is not god mm. like that doesn't make any sense but it <laughs> sounds really good right yeah or like uh-huh. st thomas aquinas is like you can't even describe god at all oh yeah you can yeah. only say what god is metaphors not. yeah okay. right yeah. yeah 
Um, we're getting mm. an Aquinas already. That's, oh my that, goodness. That, that limits the extent of cigarettes my for Dan and Aquinas for me, baby. Yeah, I'm still stuck on cigarettes. You guys we enjoy moved, your yeah. Please, let's not go any further into Aquinas because yeah. yeah. that is the limit of what okay. I remember. Yeah. That's <laughs> all you Thomas need. Aquinas. You need like yeah. one or two quotes from like most of the influential names. Like you need a Calvin quote, quote you right. know, Aquinas. Uh, yeah, who else true. would you need? Like, Oh, uh, um, I mean, there's... I don't, I don't I'm know. trying to think of Joan like, of Arc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, all those famous Joan of I, Arc quotes. I feel like the people I was thinking are not, not in that vein. But. I think one of her quotes was, please don't kill me. I swear I talk to God. I promise. Please don't kill me. That doesn't make it onto too many church doors. <laughs> yeah. Oh don't God, oh God, that's hot. That's so hot. <laughs> oh my God. One of my favorite quotes of this guy told uh in college was uh they do this big easter production um mm-hmm. every year like cheesy over the top they act the whole thing out like jesus mm-hmm. getting crucified the resurrection smoke it's like it is like what this, this church is does. a school play oh it's a church no 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 it's a uh, church okay. they're telling us this in college so he's like recounting what his church used to do mm-hmm. and they had all of these prop spears right and mm-hmm. and then some were more some were real some were like thick and sh- and like they were the ones you put out front and those uh-huh. are the ones that were like mounted next to the cross but the guy who would go up they did the whole thing literally every bit of the easter story wow so they literally have a, a retractable spear <laughs> that they would like stab <laughs> yeah. up into jesus but the guy who was the centurion to do that picked the wrong oh, one no. oh, man. so literally i swear to god this is true he grabs the wrong spear they go out it's the time where they check to see if jesus is dead and he jabs him it's not like razor sharp mind you but yeah. it's sharp enough where it sticks in <laughs> this guy's because he goes whole in and from the oh cross my god. from the cross the actor playing Jesus says, Oh my God, they really stabbed me. <laughs> they had to take him to the oh hospital. My God. It ended the whole play. Oh my God, that is they amazing. really stabbed me. <laughs> 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 and oh then he died God. after yeah. that. <laughs> he, uh, he gave his life for that, for that production. Yeah. He's oh. so, <laughs> oh, man. That's so oh, funny. God. He's so method. I just love the idea of the uh, guy like pretending to be Jesus. Like, oh, uh, oh, oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Oh, that is amazing. And if you can't laugh at that, man, you just, you can't be a Christian in my mind. You got to be able to yeah. hold that yeah. le- like level of, I don't know. Levity, you know, totally. With the, yeah, the Easter. Oh my God, well, they really stabbed me. That's like, I mean, for me, that's a challenge. I was just thinking about that this morning. Like, of all kind of like spiritual or religious endeavors, it's so. I mean, everything has, feels so fucking like serious and mm. reverent, and uh, I don't know. It's so, and I get that way all the time thinking about this stuff, or not even just Christianity, but getting into like Eastern stuff or whatever, and it's like. Ah, just, yeah, for, like, it's just such a trap, I think, to stay in that super serious, like, no, I need to restrict my behavior, I need to, like, discipline myself, this is what life really is, Mm -hmm. this is the way things are, and, uh, oh, don't laugh at that, don't laugh at that, this is my, this is my holy connection to the divine you're trying to mock here, Right. I don't know, I, but I, I get into that, and I, it's so refreshing to be like snapped right out of it, like stabbing yeah. Jesus. <laughs> did you did you grow up in that really serious 
No, I mean, my dad is a pastor. He's a Presbyterian minister, oh, which shit. is pretty liberal uh, as far as... Aquinas makes sense now. Right, Presbyterian yeah. Presbyterian, that's your dad. <laughs> yeah. So, they're, they're, I mean, they're pretty, like, cool, liberal. Like, we watched The Daily Show and shit, yeah. like, growing mm-hmm. up. Uh, and my dad, he's always, he always is, like, I think he was very endearing to uh, the congregation I grew up in because he would pepper in jokes into his sermon. Right. You know, and, like, you know, go to pastor jokes. They don't even have to be, like, that great of jokes. You just throw a couple in your sermon. Because you're not expecting right. it. Oh, yeah. that's one of my huge <laughs> biases in the church, man. I'm like, you're funny because nobody's expecting just, it. Yeah, just yeah. softballs. No, yeah, just, <laughs> you know, right, when your man comes home, ladies, and everything. <laughs> oh, that's so true. The pastor understands. <laughs> he said that. He so understands what it's like. Well, that's I what's... Relate. I mean, part of that, though, is because we're so... We are so used to being so reverent in church. We're not used to laughing, at least in Presbyterian church, yeah. the Frozen Chosen, as we uh, were... Oh, I've not great. heard that. I that's that. so good. <laughs> that's a good inside, inside baseball Presbyterian <laughs> joke. Uh, yeah, man. You guys are very academic. I didn't grow up yeah. knowing what Presbyterians were at all, and then Fuller Seminary, where I went, is, like, uh-huh. heavily Presbyterian. Oh, cool, yeah. yeah. Well, because they're, Fuller's, like, one of the only places where you can, like, get that Presbyterian ordination and just kind of, like, streamline mm. your, your jump into the Presbyterian church. And right. it's, like, surrounded by Presbyterians. Gotcha, yeah. So, yes, it's, we're very stoic people. Mm. <laughs> very. Very intellectual. I guess there's, there's that's like my a, experience. Yeah, yeah, from what from my understanding of like what I've listened to podcasts and sermons or like visiting Presbyterian churches, there's a really deep love and uh, reverence for the text and like te- contextual understanding and research and like yeah, like really getting into you have to study the book. Whereas like I grew up in more of a charismatic mm-hmm. tradition where it's like like I, I grew up in churches where like the pastors probably like wish they were comedians they would like they were like mm. telling stories right, and yeah. they were just like uh, uh, when i was a kid and i drove my motorcycle out of a b- barn door and like whatever <laughs> and it's just like oh this guy knows jesus yeah. like, this, guy, this guy he's folksy yeah. he's folksy and downright enjoyable <laughs> yeah. get this guy yeah. but that's so like your presbyterian experience very different from the experience i had mm-hmm. where there wasn't as academic a approach to it I got to say, though, I mean, even though, I, I don't know, maybe this is more of a recent development of me in that I, I trust my head less and less, and I'm really trying to live more mm-hmm. from my heart and my emotional center. Man, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Cause I, so I think all this, like, sometimes intellectualism can really, that's another fucking trap door. I say, I'm saying fucking a lot. Do it. Go nuts, dude. But Go ahead. Uh, it's like a <laughs> trap that you can fall into. I don't know. Sometimes I think this world is so natural. Like, the way infants perceive the world and just engage it they're not thinking of concepts they're not thinking of like yeah man they're not, mm. they don't have ideas or of what <laughs> reality is supposed to be they're just enjoying it and engaging it they have that empty mind about those it those are the ones that are supposed to inherit the kingdom exactly sure you know that verse oh, yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. oh I know that yeah. <laughs> well I, I am I am curious because like um, you you fascinate me because you have a pretty broad understanding of like your own Christian uh, upbringing and everything that you've read about that. But then you also started really exploring other religions as well. Mm-hmm. And like, um, you got super into like Eastern stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that sentiment, um, like the children are the one getting it right? Do you see that reflected in a lot of the other places you've looked beyond Christianity? Is that like a shared? Uh, definitely. And like in some of them, I mean, in Taoism specifically is what I'm thinking of. In Taoism, there's, uh, I can't remember the exact verse or where it's from I don't but it's just it's uh the idea that you should have that infant like 
uh, vibe <laughs> that you yeah. should like try to like literally in this moment wherever you are just like engage without judging anything without labeling anything without being like looking at the, without looking at this bookshelf and being like oh book 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 read this like English that I understand just like just take a step back and like because and that's what I don't know I think consciousness this is something I got from Sam Harris noted atheist <laughs> but <laughs> uh, the consciousness is the thing that like right that's before we think of I it's like that thing it's always mm. the thing before we start the brain starts revving back up and starts assigning stuff which is impossible to totally escape just by our yeah. biology um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely... like the before the dualistic mind kicks in. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, it's seeing instead of choosing, as they mm. say. Um, That's so... mysticism right there, man. Yeah. Quick note about mysticism. Mysticism is not an obsession with spiritual ecstasy. While there's a strong belief in the supernatural, it's never about selfish, internalized spiritual highs like taking DMT and slipping into an isolation chamber. Although I'm, I'm not completely against trying that there are really only three postures you can take on spiritual issues. One is standing in complete disbelief or certainty. Two is standing in tension with the question itself. And three is standing in awe and wonder. As a mystic myself, I believe standing in awe and wonder is more important than standing on simplistic answers to really complex issues. People with too many answers often become frightening tyrants or spiritual gurus who attract the weak-minded masses. Not to get all like Karl Marx on you or anything, but mysticism for me is the refreshing alternative. It's the great path to self-discovery and humility through the embrace of the endlessly knowable mystery of life. Core traits of mysticism, no matter which religion you find it in, and mysticism is really in every major religion, are the daily practices of silence, stillness, and solitude. In Christianity, we call this contemplative spirituality. Contemplation is meant to destroy the need to categorize and judge every single thing as good or bad, and instead allow God, people, and reality to simply exist as they are. This is the core lesson within the story of Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. It's why the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was even tempting in the first place, because it fed their ego and made them feel like God because we all crave certainty and being right over being in relationship with others and God. Just look at our politics these days. A famous mystic once said, God refuses to be understood and can only be loved. A true mystic seeks that transformational love of God so they in turn can be a selfless source of healing in the world. And that's really it. Back to Joe. Yeah, and that's what I think, I, what I've loved about the the speaking of presbyterians and i've i've seen this in other more liberal christian traditions i think even in towards the late 90s and early 2000s i started seeing more eastern for lack of a better word mystic concepts be reintroduced and start to like try to have like like things like the today service i don't know if you've ever heard of that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah things like that like where it's very contemplative contemplative is a big presbyterian yeah. word that's actually big in episcopalian too oh, cool. that's yeah. what i that's what i go to now Oh, where at uh, All Saints? Oh, like right yeah, down the road. Oh, oh dude, when when we saw Richard Rohr, I walked in because I was late. Yeah, and Joe's sitting in the oh, back of yeah. the Richard Rohr. Uh, yeah. Event. Oh, okay. I think you told me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. All... Lit- sitting literally in the back pew. Ah, <laughs> that was the before the back started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. All Saints has a special place in my heart because I. Uh, I was like, welcome I'm, in, brother. I know. I was, I, I'm like, still. I can't decide if I want to end up there. This is part of the premise of my podcast, Choose Your Own Religion. Part of my whole 
uh, angst is that it's very hard for me to commit to any one community, even though All Saints is a pretty damn yeah. good one and pretty inclusive. Even though yeah, I think even uh, in one of uh, Reverend Ed Bacon's last Sundays, I think he was even like, I remember him referencing like all the atheists here and the Buddhists yeah. here, and I'm like, wait, what? Like they're not all Christians? <laughs> yeah, nope. Yeah, not by a long shot. I just yeah. did the new member class, and uh-huh. I'm pretty sure most of the new members are not Christian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're going to be members of the yeah. church. Yeah, like that's just, really that's, fascinating. That's so to me. Cool to oh my gosh, dude! They're, the stories that we heard it were insane. Because the six weeks you go around and kind of each each weekend, one other new person tells their story. Oh, it feels cool. a little AA ish where you're like uh-huh. talking about how you were abused by the church. Essentially, right. <laughs> like we all like kind of came from a background like that. Interesting. Um, but most of them were like, "No, I'm into this. I'm into that." And this is just a place where I like I just can't deny that it feels good to come here even though i bring all these other practices and my week looks like eastern buddhism i guess the only kind of buddhism there is is eastern but um Uh but like there's california buddhism which is is definitely western buddhism (laughs) which is like less buddhism more just like chill right yeah Yeah, it's it's just like yoga and like they drink matcha yeah (laughs) matcha or makta I, I feel like I say it wrong all the time. Matcha. Okay, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later in the podcast. I like to say things as white as possible. Um, oh yeah, matcha. We'll just we'll, dr- we'll drop a voiceover about matcha tea right here. <laughs> okay, I can't in good consciousness take precious minutes out of your day to explain matcha, but what I will do is take sixty seconds or less to explain the essential properties of matcha to redeem the fact that I didn't know how to say it. So. Here we go. Start the timer. Matcha is made up of green tea leaves that have been ground up into a fine powder, and true matcha comes from Japan. The plant from which matcha is derived is called Camellia sinensis, which is more commonly known as the tea plant. What makes matcha so special is that it is grown under shade nets for three to four weeks, and the decreased levels of sunlight trick the plant into producing extra amounts of chlorophyll. Chlorophyll? More like borophyll. Right? The height and levels of chlorophyll are the reason for matcha's signature bright green color. And at the end of the day, when these bright green tea leaves are ground up into a fine powder and soaked in hot water, BAM! You got 15 times the normal amount of health benefits of green tea, 70 times the antioxidants of orange juice, and 9 times the beta-carotene of spinach in this meticulously made, concentrated concoction that delivers a slow release of caffeine-fueled energy for up to 6 hours. Boom! I'm out! Oh, they did the Bible, uh, they did altar calls, and then they did mak ma- <laughs> Okay, before we move on, it's Machda. Ma- ma- wait, wait. Ma- wait. Oh, damn it. You don't know what it is anymore either. Damn it. I have All no right. idea. I'm We've diverted substantially. Yeah. Well, I'm going to circle back to All Saints. All Saints. But yeah, yeah but the, the new member classes. It was just, it was just, an, it was insane to hear everybody's story and, and nobody missed a weekend in my group. And even mm-hmm. our leader was like, this is really rare that like you all came to every single weekend of this, like, I think it's six or seven weeks uh-huh. um, of new member classes. She's like, this is really crazy. Usually people flake and like, that's my background with church. Anything where you're volunteering yeah. is people flake. Yeah, yeah. You sign up and you don't go. Right. Um, and it was like, we all just kind of kept coming back and sharing our stories. And it's like, and then we'd all go back to our own weird religious practices and whatnot that's so cool that's like sucking me back into its orbit (laughs) just hearing that story i'm interested Um, i'm interested a little bit in because i i know the bullet points just because like um you haven't you and i have known each other for a while joe and i met uh doing stand-up and met at open mics and like pretty quickly realized we kind of had this shared this shared interest in spirituality and had both come from the church mm -hmm. um but i don't know like the finer points of your story in terms of um, when you were like, I'm not so sure about this Christian thing. Was that always there? Or w- was there a point where you were like, I think I have to look around? I wouldn't say it was always there. I mean, because like there would be maybe a handful of 
like specific points I remember as a kid for thinking like, huh, that's kind of weird. Oh, well, like <laughs> God is cool and church is cool. Besides <laughs> that, like I remember specifically, uh, there was one where I was reading like an illustrated children's version of the Bible, probably the same one that everybody has. I don't know. It's like a white, it was like a white hard cover. Maybe, mm-hmm. not, maybe it's not the same one, but anyway, this had all the cool stuff in the Bible, all the fun, kid-friendly, like animated things. Right, like now, the flood, all the fun, yeah. kid-friendly stuff. Like right, flood. and God came right. and got the animals two by two, and nothing else happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I remember just asking my mom, like, "Oh, these are all made up, right?" Like, but like innocent, like I was like, "Fine, if they were made up." I was yeah. like, "Oh, these are like, these yeah, Mister Mister Powerful too, right?" Yeah, and she's like, "No, it's real." And I was like, "Oh, okay." But like there was, I remember just that. I I do definitely remember that moment, and that something in there registered for me. But I didn't, I didn't like continually doubt or anything. In fact, I loved church. I loved like, especially in high school, I really found my groove as like uh, a leader among like like I worked at these uh, summer camps, or they were uh, for like middle school retreats, and they'd be like weekend long things where middle schoolers would come in, and I would be what we call an enabler, along with like eighteen other. Yeah, I don't know what. what a I don't know who for a summer camp counselor. I know. I don't know who. I don't what? know who. He's going to help them with uh, their alcohol, <laughs> their, their first sexual experience. You know what? Will God, enable. God bless Massinetta, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. An I don't enabler. want to enabler. There was like sixteen of us or so. We were all uh, like juniors and seniors in high school, and we were charged to like lead, do like basically youth pastor stuff, like leading music together, like le- leading like Bible studies and small groups with all these little kids. And I really love that. That was like the closest I've ever had to like experiencing utopia or like God's kingdom, mm. if, for, hmm. if you will. Uh, so that was really cool. And then uh, where I started for me is like, when I, it's kind of maybe a classic thing. It's like going to college. Uh, I still was like, I was in a Presbyterian campus ministry group, really tight with them all of freshman year. And then sophomore year, I just started taking religious studies courses kind of by accident. Like I took one cause I was a prereq and I really enjoyed it. I was like, Oh, I'm actually reading everything I'm supposed to read in this class. Unlike every other class I have, uh, let me take another one. And that's when I studied uh, the old Testament and the new Testament under uh, Dr. Bart Ehrman. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I am he's, not. Uh, <clears throat> that doesn't ring a bell. Great academic scholar. He has a really fascinating kind of like former evangelical turned like, he calls himself an agnostic, but he, he have, you have like a pretty good atheist vibe from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's married to an Episcopalian. Anyway, that's a whole different story. Through that, like studying of the text uh, and kind of studying the history of the Old Testament and New Testament and studying, realizing there was a lot of decisions were made uh, politically about what to include, what to how, what to edit, like the kind of the edit history of certain parts of the Bible. I started realizing that like, man, I feel like I just believed a lot of this stuff kind of by default. Like I've just accepted my default programming and I haven't really like taken real ownership of this. And so I was like kind of like starting over the course of a year, I'd say I I slowly sort of drifted out and it sucked because I was like still really good friends with like all my Presbyterian people. They were like still my best friends in college. But uh, so then that sort of happened and then I kind of went through typical kind of angry atheist type like agnostic stuff i did <laughs> i also started uh smoking a lot of weed this period sure full disclosure <laughs> full disclosure <laughs> uh, happens. but we did have like <laughs> it sound maybe this sounds ridiculous but it was i promise you it was cool 
it was so cool in college. We did like a 420 Bible study of sorts. No, like, that sounds great. Like <laughs> I would, I would totally be yes. interested in that. <laughs> Where like it was like we had like a fire pit outside of our house, and we would all just sit out there, uh, pass the the peace pipe, if you will, <laughs> around like watch like a YouTube video or like a TED talk or something, and then talk about it. So kind of like a precursor maybe to my podcast in ways I didn't really even think about because I wasn't thinking of like comedy or anything at that point. Uh, and then. As far as spirit, and then like sometime when I lived, I lived at home for a year after college. Uh, during that period, I was like, I'm definitely like I didn't go to church with my parents, and then at that point, I was going to move to California. Told my parents I didn't really believe in God anymore, and that sucked. That was really hard. My mm. dad was like, re- both my parents were really sad about that, but then I felt like it was important to be honest with them, and you know, I, I still let them know I was like a seeker, and I'm still like spiritually right. on some kind of path. Uh, moved out here to LA five years ago and that's when i started really more earnestly diving into eastern stuff alan watts is a really big early he still is a big influence on me um and he kind of is a great he, he's this uh english kind of uh philosopher scholar who brought a lot of zen concepts to the west or like mm-hmm. sort of helped explain the history of zen and hinduism and and buddhism and all these things and uh I started really tripping out on on how this there's this whole other mode, this other way to view the universe, and, and still a, that connected with me in, in a spiritual, some kind of quote unquote spiritual sense. And uh, so I started going down more of that path, but then I felt, I don't know, maybe it was like maybe I was just doing it wrong, but like mm-hmm. something about <laughs> very likely I was just fucking not doing it right. Uh, but there's something about it that felt going too much towards some of those things like Zen felt a little too nihilistic, felt a little too like amoral. Cause it's like a lot of it is amoral, which doesn't mean you have to be immoral, but it does. There just isn't a morality. There just, uh, some people, I mean, that's where Confucianism starts getting more into morality. And mm-hmm. like, I know a lot of people are probably going to disagree that there is no, there is, it's amoral. Buddhism certainly has kind of like a, Oh, these are like the, the there is morality in Buddhism. I would say, uh, more in like Zen, which is sort of like uh, a revolutionary, like kind of Zen is basically like the the historical Zen is like a it's like trying to achieve pure emptiness and trying to say that there's no like Buddhism in itself is a huge construct, and so that sort of leads you down some amoral paths, which then can lead to some immoral shit. Mm-hmm. So going down that stuff is when I sort of started coming back slowly back on the other side around to like more Christianity or just more like, I don't know, remembering all the good shit (laughs) from my youth and seeing how, if and how I could reincorporate maybe some of that. That's like a pretty, that's an interesting road that you took. It sounds like it kind of naturally led you to minds like Richard Rohr, Mm -hmm. who have like a, Oh yeah. It is a, it's a softer approach to the Christ. Mm -hmm. It's like, and it, and it treats it, it treats the Christ as a more sort of like, um, like an energetic, all-encompassing yeah. sort of experiential thing, as opposed to um, a regulation-heavy. Yeah, thing. well, Richard Rohr is great because he is. I think he definitely has uh, some Eastern influences in yeah. him. And uh, I remember my dad; he gave me like a couple of books of his years ago. But I was like heavily into my like. I don't want any like more spiritual shit for my yeah. dad. I've had like 20 right. fucking years of this. I don't yeah. need like, so I, they've, <laughs> they've sat on my shelf for a long time. He gave me like CDs of his lectures. I'm like, eh, 
who's I don't care what this Richard War person that some yeah. Christian <laughs> author of like I really had no interest. And then finally, I like started coming around to him on my own. I think on Pete Holmes' podcast was the first time I really heard him yeah, speak at such length. Such a good. Book. And I was yeah. like, oh shit, <laughs> this is blowing my mind. Yeah, a third way, man. Yeah, what what I love about him, and I think is what I'm currently kind of tripping out on. Maybe some differences between how Eastern religions view nature and reality and whatever their sense of God, quote unquote God is, and, and Christianity is that like Eastern religions definitely I think that's like God is like is is nothing more than life, is like a life force. Some people call it love or whatever, but it's something that comes from the inside and the universe grows out of that whereas mm-hmm. Christianity is more like a top down like God created the universe he created each of these things there's like a, a separate omnipresent being right that stands outside of nature and then made nature and like what I think is what I think is so interesting about that is that like that dichotomous view of like there's us and there's God and like right. God is like this kind of this overlooking all seeing uh, like eye it's like a separate sky. consciousness and yeah. it makes me think of like yeah. Lord of the Rings like this yeah. flaming yeah. eye watching <laughs> everything you do yeah, yeah. like that is <clears throat> excuse me that's like um, that's all a post biblical construction that's like that that starts coming around like centuries after the Bible is established. It's certainly centuries after Jesus has done. Are you talking more like deism? Like where it's just like, oh, God made the watch and then he just put it down and mm-hmm. the watch ticks now because he started it and we're just dealing with the watch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the watchmaker. It's yeah. like that that top down thing of like there's God and he's like currently in some kind of a heaven and he's just sort of like managing everything down here. Right. Yeah. This sort of layered tiered view. Um it just doesn't seem like Jesus operates within that to any degree. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. He doesn't really speak much to any of that at right. all. So it seems like that is that seem that feels like a very western seems like a thing we constructed after the fact. Yeah, and I, I think it sets us up and I'm stealing a little bit of a little bit of this from Alan Watts is like it, it sets us up to be sort of like a, a Christian or, in, or even Judaism and, and Islam. It, it, when you think of the universe as and, and nature as a separate thing created, it, it kind of sets us up to be and have a quasi antagonistic relationship towards it. Like we have to constantly be reminded, like, oh, everything is God's creation, and there's that that sense of it. But sometimes it's like, oh, creation is some like when bad things happen to me. There's like these outside forces, or there's like nature is something that we can conquer and that mm-hmm. even though nature is great it's like not as great as like the stuff we can do with nature mm-hmm. there's things like mm-hmm. that and or like, what's coming after nature yeah like after it all like, burns up and we go to heaven right or like you know the idea that like churches are something that are very typically ornate these mm-hmm. big feats of beautiful architecture by the way amazing architecture amazing yeah. things but it's uh to maybe an eastern crowd that's kind of seems absurd mm-hmm. because they're like the fucking forest is the church. Yeah. Right. Like it's, there's no, you can't improve upon, upon that. Oh man. Mm. See, like I, I used to hate on all that stuff, like the ornate cathedrals. And I studied around in Spain for a minute mm-hmm. and I was looking at all their <laughs> stuff and I'm like, so mad all the time. This is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? And why? Like, uh, they're on every corner and they're always empty. They fill up on like Easter, or, like a saint's celebration. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. And now I go to a church that looks like that. And I, I absolutely love sitting in that space. And even when it is yeah. empty, it's almost more sacred because it's like, oh, I've got the church to myself. <laughs> this yeah. is amazing. And it's oh, a reflection of how vast we 
recognize the universe and the world and how beautiful we recognize whatever created all this to be. Yeah. Um, which is actually more honorable than like maybe our Presbyterian or non-denominational <laughs> four walls, fluorescent lights. Right. Let's not try to alter the mood here. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I do kind of love, I love the notion that like early, um, I guess not technically not like early, but like church designers. So those really ornate cathedrals and the traditional, when you like imagine a church, what you're imagining, I love the artistic intention of the whole thing being constructed to draw your eyes upwards. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything is kind of... It's all an artistic reminder to, like, look up. Right. Uh, I think it's a shame that, you know, they use, like, guilt money to build (laughs) on. Like, that's kind of a bummer. But uh, I I, I like... That's always happening. I can appreciate the attempt at art of, like, this art points us to something. Yeah. Um, I see. I, I still love churches too, but I think my where I'm coming from maybe is different in that I see them almost as like uh, performance art that the people believed in, like mm-hmm. as they were doing it. Like I think it's a re- really fascinating uh, kind of like snapshot of like how humans have like really believed and like what what is possible with like human cooperation and ingenuity and progress and things like that. I mean, that is so amazing that like year after year, like technological progress is something that's fucking cool. And I, I love nature as much as anybody. Uh, but I, I think technological progress progress is natural in the sense that humans are natural beings and we naturally uh, created right. these things. I think human potential is probably like the greatest beacon towards divine existence. See, that's a very Christian <laughs> attitude. It is a big... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, 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 I'm not shitting right. on it. Yeah, but no, yeah. It, but I I can't escape that. That's where I feel like even if I was like, you know, fuck it, I'm done with this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need Bibles, I don't need scripture, I don't need prayer, I don't need this stuff. I think I would still watch... Um, I don't know, like you watch these like 14 year old violinists like play a symphony. Yeah. You're like, How in God's name is that little girl cranking out that amazing piece of work at such a young age. I mean, yeah. you see that across the board. You see, you know, comedic um, prodigies, people mm-hmm. that just got it right away. And like it's Bo just Burnham. Like, oh my God, we were just talking we were about... Just, we were just talking about yeah. Bo Burnham and Dave Chappelle. Like, and they're yeah. just like... They just crushed it from an early it. age. Yeah. yeah, and so I look at that and I'm like, that person has tapped into something amazing and like, I just can't believe that's totally. an accident because it's so good. Or yeah. it's even like, I mean, that person has tapped into something... Or is it possible that something is, like, tapped into that person? Is it something that, like, there are Mozarts in the world? I always think it's interesting because it's, like, things like that, the things that make us innately human, our desires to create things, our desires to discover things. um, If you reduce everything to, like, just materialism, there's no real reason for it. Right. Like, there's no... It's it's evolutionarily unnecessary. It's useless beauty. And I... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think it's... That's what's so fascinating to me because when I do just... When I do try to turn uh, my... The God side of my brain off and I just, like... About every Friday night. I just try. (laughs) I I successfully do it and then I get sad. (laughs) Um, When I try to turn that off, and I just think about like, okay, maybe there is nothing. Maybe it is just matter. And maybe it is just billions of years. And this is what happens. Um, why does our why does our brain do the stuff that it does? Right. Why does it respond to meditation the way that it does? Why does it respond to... We're just talking about like... I don't necessarily... Uh, we talked about this on our last podcast. But it's like, I don't necessarily think that 
like the communal Christian worship. I don't think you have to be singing Hillsong for it to be worship. <laughs> yeah. But it's there's something about like everybody singing together. Oh, it's yeah. It's a powerful thing. Oh, it's oh, unreal. Yeah, go to the Hollywood Bowl. I don't and care like, who you hear. <laughs> like, yeah. Why? Because we don't need it for survival, but then we do. Even in like my my darkest timelines I, I, I love the good hymn man a good hymn in church where everybody's on that same page you're right there's something that just taps in so uh i don't know if you call it primal or whatever but like i think that's those are things that help us maybe realize some ultimate truth if there can be ones that we all come from the same source we all do have a shared uh Life and an unkillable love, as Ed Bacon would say, mm. uh, within us. Look who's quoting pastors now. Oh yeah. Oh no. I, I can quote. I can quote Ed Bacon all day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I love that stuff. One thing that you something I brought to mind is, uh, and this was something that I that kind of thing bothered me too when I was getting more into uh, Zen. And by the way, talking about Zen is like. As soon as you start talking about it, you've gotten away from from what actually Zen yeah, that's, is. That's, yeah. that's sort of like the paradoxical <laughs> nature of it. It's like as soon as you start to trying to describe it, you're something. You're like, no, you're fucking wrong. Like you're off. Yeah, right. that's what language is, though. Language exactly. is just like throwing a blanket over this invisible object, and you're like, right. ah, it doesn't it to- exactly. Yeah. Well, but one thing in in uh, like a Zen phrase is like form and emptiness, and emptiness and form, and that there is. So even though there is like all these forms, there maybe is an inherent emptiness to them, but there's also within that an inherent emptiness arises a uh, form and constructs and there you can't take one without you can't say it's all empty and it's just that's it because then that denies the you know the literal fucking reality yeah <laughs> that, yeah that we there's live a c.s in. lewis quote where he says to see through everything is to see nothing yeah so you can deconstruct and deconstruct but then where do you land isn't there exactly isn't, isn't there a loud Tzu quote where he says a, it's it's a a bowl is most useful when it is empty. Isn't that, is that, I think Whoa. probably, or it's like, you know, the idea Sounds of like a, a fortune cookie, a, a wheel. <laughs> they might've been, it, I, that might've been a fortune cookie from Pandex. <laughs> I'm not actually sure. Or if you think about like a wheel and like the spokes of a wheel, like the center, what do they call it? A hub or whatever what's in the center. Sure, yeah. I, this right. is, this is some, I'm pulling this from one of the, the Eastern things, <laughs> but like the, the, a wheel only works if the center is empty. Like it doesn't work if there's like, if it's, all mm. I mean, I'm no, I'm no wheel maker, but I am a wheel maker, and wheel, I'll confirm that smith. that is correct. <laughs> a wheel smith. <laughs> There's also, uh, do you guys know Ram Dass? Are you familiar with his work at all? Not yeah. his work. I know the name. Oh yeah. man, if there's there's any book I could recommend, it's Be Here Now. That's a psychedelic. It's so hippie. It's so. <laughs> I'm gonna say it right now, but if you're interested in like in that, look. The, if you want to grab a joint and come <laughs> back. Yeah. Do we not offer you a split on the way in? That's on us. I'm, oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We are terrible hosts. I know. I know. But uh, one thing he, one, one from one of his lectures, he talks about like that compassion actually can arise from emptiness, and that's one of the the cool things about seeing that maybe, yeah, maybe there isn't like, like maybe if there is an eternal emptiness, maybe there is a meaninglessness ish thing vibe going on. That that just mm. creates a space to have compassion for everything. And it's through that compassion for everything, then also you also achieve emptiness. If you truly have compassion for everything, then you're seeing like, oh, there isn't a difference between me yeah. and you and you and her and him and this bookshelf or whatever. I have compassion for all of it. Like mm-hmm. now theoretically, I'm not saying I always have <laughs> that by yeah. any stretch, but they can kind of go, you can go at it from either direction. Right. I think compassion is one of those virtues where I, I can 
explicitly point to my life and go, I would not be a compassionate person if I did not have my faith. Yeah. And I've my friends that are just not in religious worlds and don't believe that stuff. And some my my best friend growing up wasn't, and he was just always such a nicer person than me. And it bugged the shit out of me because I was like, <laughs> he, he's just got to be born that way. Yeah. Because like he's never done a malicious thing in his life. He's so kind. He doesn't mistreat women. He doesn't over drink. He doesn't over smoke. Just it's just like sounds like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. And I, it was just like, why are you so? naturally this way I'm working my ass off over here to like not be angry and get in fights and like dude I relate to that so much I mean one phrase I've <laughs> I don't know I, feel, I like thinking about like sometimes I feel like I'm just like religion is just my way to study how to not be an asshole like I do need to study yeah. it <laughs> that's not a bad way of describing it <laughs> you know but it's okay. like it's so I definitely I feel like I do better when I have it when I some I guess maybe yeah. even if I think and I do kind of think language is sort of useless a lot of the times uh, it can it has helped me become a more compassionate person so it's yeah everything's a fucking paradox well i mean right. and i think i think like that whatever the faith is whether it's like whether you label the faith christianity or whether it, it is more of like a seeking just seeking to understand and learn whatever you want to call it again i'm not a huge fan of language either i recognize that it's necessary but like i think that 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 faith manifests itself differently for every person so like for me i don't necessarily feel like um com- compassion is not what would like fall away immediately if i were like oh it's been it's been proven to me there is no god Mm -hmm. but for me i would just descend into like suicidal nihilism Mm -hmm. i would i I would be like i don't i don't get the point there's not this is not enjoyable enough on it i don't get it i don't like it's not (laughs) fun enough for me to just be like oh there's no reason to anything that's cool i'll still just chill like I, i can't do it so like i need for me, like faith provides narrative and meaning and like a purpose for the the pain as well. Like it provides a contextual um, a contextual space for all of the suffering that we have to put up with mm-hmm. as a human being. And without that, I'd be like, well, I, I this is just trash, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's a dark I, way to look at. But it. I mean, no, I it gets to the that. label as yeah. as an opiate for that reason because mm-hmm. it's just like a bunch of quote unquote like weak people who are trying to like find their way and like soothe the pain or the void yeah, or Colton, whatever. I love opiates. All right? like, yeah. We'll cover this soon, Dan. We'll get into it. Just, um, but yeah, that's 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 kind of where I struggle with explaining it to people and, and people that have like hated the shit out of religion or, or God that have actually benefited from the fact that I believe in it. So that to me is a huge <laughs> right. paradox. Like oh. you can hate my Christ all you want, but I treated you way better because I believe in it. Yeah. So what do you do with that? I mean, there's people have crazy narratives all over the world that make them better places. And I, I think I had a I had a guy who was like a mentor in college that had ended up like having a, a bout with depression, mm-hmm. um, like went to like a suicide ward, like he was under watch and then gave up his faith and everything cleared away. Mm-hmm. And he's and he was fine. And he came out of the closet. Um, he was like, look, I've been struggling with this. I'm gay. I'm an atheist. And I feel fantastic now. Mm-hmm. Doesn't struggle with depression. Yeah. It's fine. Like, I mean, from his words, I don't like we kind of fell off after that, but it was... 
it was just an interesting for me as a 21 year old to watch that happen has really mm-hmm. shaped my faith where I'm like, look, I'm getting better because of this. And for some reason you got worse. Yeah. You were trapped in That's this. That's fascinating. Well, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes there's just different seasons of your life that call for different things. Maybe sometimes I need more constructs. I need more of a, more guides. You know, mm. I need more books. And sometimes I'm like, no, I, I'm like, I don't need that. Like, or I need to get away from that because I'm getting too caught up in that. And I'm, I'm thinking too much and I'm thinking about my own thoughts and then about those thoughts. And I'm just constantly, I've been in those cycles too. of getting being, neurotic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like it's life, life is a river, y'all. And, so, <laughs> and sometimes Sing you just got to float down it. And sometimes the river bends one way. Sometimes that river is going to bend the other way. You can never step in the same river twice. <laughs> I love how you are like bringing the cackalacky into your <laughs> oh, yeah. the Carolina roots in your zen. <laughs> oh, you know it. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. What do you, what do you do? Like, I don't know what your life looks like on the on the daily now. Where you're, <laughs> what you're, what uh, circles you're navigating, mm-hmm. stand up or religious or peeking into All Saints and then dipping into a comedy club. What do you? I mean, what does your daily life look like? Do you still have like a nagging Christian voice in the back of your head? If you like, you know, sleep with a girl, you're like, oh my god, what am I doing? You know, or like, what what rises up on you? Like, uh, I don't necessarily have the the classic Christian. Like, I don't think of God speaking to me, but I definitely feel. Uh, <laughs> like an underlying guilt sometimes or like I feel like I should be apologizing for stuff like I don't know specifically what and this is something that I think <laughs> I just need to say I'm sorry yeah I just like and I have a I have a bit about that it's like church is just a safe place to apologize yeah. like I just, just feel like you can't I mean sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel like there's nowhere else in society where I can you can freely apologize without taking a hit to like your cred or some shit like an right. apology isn't an, it's like this is the world we've come to. It's like people only apologize when absolutely necessary, when forced to, when they have to do it as a PR move. And it's almost right. like apologies are taken as a weak thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like you got caught. Right. Yeah. And I, now I recognize I, cause I grew up kind of a nice boy, kind of a rule follower. And uh, I think that created that sort of guilt complex. And so as I try to grow out of that, I, uh, I don't know, I started apologizing less and less, but now I'm feeling like, I definitely feel like I should be apologizing for some stuff because there's a... Anyway, I'm I'm digressing, but that's that's the type of guilt underlying uh, my day-to-day. I mean, my day-to-day doesn't look that crazy. I go uh, to the gym three times a week. I go to work, my day job, five days a week. Uh, I've been in and out of like a daily meditation practice. Uh, I think it's a... I used to be more like uh, maybe intentionally spiritual about it, but I think there's something... It's just... I feel like you're doing more Christian things than Christians do. Yeah. Is what I'm trying yeah, every, to do. I do pray. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so like I'd be really interested yeah. in that because I know I know a lot of people who would not profess to be Christian, wouldn't use the label. Uh-huh. Right. Um, I think the label is by and large a lot of the time unnecessary, mm-hmm. but a lot of people won't use the label but they'll be they'll pray and I always wonder what they're talking to and how they're addressing those prayers mm. and like what the cuz I have to imagine our prayers are slightly different, but probably pretty similar. Yeah. Um, I'm well, curious about that. And I'm curious what like your meditation might look like too. Cool. Yeah. Well, my meditation, when I, when I'm good about it, <laughs> it's like, I, I mean that, that one, I keep this simple, just sitting on my couch in the same spot and trying uh, to just watch my thoughts as they happen. And then uh, afraid, like kind of, I have a couple, a couple different mantras. One is just like, come back here. So it's like, come back mm-hmm. here. Like once I notice myself following a train of thought, it's mm-hmm. like, get out of there, come back here. Um, 
sometimes it's honestly just like driving and not turning on any music, rolling the windows down and just listening as much as possible. Sometimes yeah. it's body scanning, whatever. Uh, my prayer, which I've been doing more and more recently, I keep it super simple. I like a lot of simple systems. I find if I don't keep things simple, then I often don't do them. And sometimes I have a tendency to want to overcomplicate or optimize things or like get the variables just right, get the levels and everything tuned in. And then I end up like one piece of that falls away and then the whole system crashes. So I try to keep things simple. Uh, with prayer, I follow Anne Lamott. I don't know if y'all oh, yeah, I love, yeah, Anne Lamott. love me some Anne Lamott. She's uh, she has a book called Help Thanks Wow. I don't know if you've read that, but it's her <laughs> book on prayer, uh, which basically says like all prayers are some form of help thanks and wow yeah yeah um and so honestly that's all i follow it's like in a given morning sometimes i feel like i need more help sometimes it's being more thankful i really try to cultivate gratitude though i think that's such a cool i think regardless of whatever you fucking believe and that who i'm praying to i don't know man i honestly try to not think of anybody or anything specifically that i'm praying to i'm just saying like thank you for this thank you for Colton for Dan for this table like just saying like reminding myself these this is an amazing world this is a beautiful world negativity is not necessarily true and there's so truth can be such a beautiful thing and that we do have it's amazing that this world it's amazing that this podcast is happening yeah it's amazing that all of the forces through all of history came together to make this room this specific situation happen it's so fucking cool. Yeah. And it doesn't like that. And reminding myself of that every day, every morning helps, I think, put me on a better mindset. And the thing with asking for help, I get, it can get tricky. Cause I think if I ask for selfish things and that's an easy one to fall into, like it's the classic, like God, please send me a Ferrari or whatever. Like right, 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 right. materialism. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or just like, but even like, I don't know. I try to, I try to really frame it as like, God help me be generous with my love. Do they help me like make other people happier? Which maybe that sounds self-serving. I don't know, but it's like it's better than me. Like help me get booked on this show. Yeah, totally. <laughs> help me get popular. Well, it's like whatever. I think I think there's two ways to look at even like for Christians. There's two ways to look at prayer. You can look at prayer kind of as like um, God from the outside. Please like uh, act on the physical world or on my behalf, please make magic happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that would be, and that, I mean, healing or stuff or a job. And it's like, I, I get that and I respect it. And I have prayed, I've prayed those prayers. And I think there's another school of thought. It's like the prayer is really more for us. Oh yeah. It's, it's way less about like, dear magic man in the sky, please help me out. And it's much more like I am, focusing my thoughts and my energy and I am putting my mind and my will into gratitude, into love, into the the humble act of admitting you need help, admitting that you can't do this alone. Indeed. And so it's like, it's not necessarily, it's not conjuring anything, but it is a powerful spiritual and mental exercise. hundred percent with you. It's not about appeasing some authority figure. Like, all right, I I paid my dues. Now I get the good stuff. Mm. Yeah. For me, I mean, it started off, I guess it sort of still is like a kind of a utilitarian thing. Like I know it's like a version of affirmations more or less. Like just trying, like you said, just trying to focus your energy uh, and focus your intentions. Cause sometimes this is what, I don't know. You don't even have to believe, like, I don't believe in God and I pray. Like, it doesn't have to, you don't have to necessarily believe in a specific magical working for it to actually work. Because it definitely does make me more grateful. It definitely does uh, 
make me a better person to be around yeah. than when There's, I don't. There is definitely something to be said for, like, the energy you put out. Like there's there's something to be said for that. And I don't I don't know that there's a science behind it, but I think there's starting to be. I mean, that's like what quantum foam and all that crazy shit that science Mike talks about. Like there's literally there is a physical energy that we just cannot see that is connecting you to yeah. me to Dan. And right now we're kind of like yeah. if we hit that wave just right, we'll have a good podcast. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. because we'll have empathy and we'll be jumping off of ideas. And I think that's why mindfulness is becoming such a buzzword and like a. I don't know if it's a theology or a spirituality or it's it's kind of like humanism. You um, even you even mentioned uh, contemplation earlier and how right, that is like right. in in vogue. Right. I think because people are tapping into this. I have to interject here. I wouldn't blame you if a part of your brain wasn't hearing some of this talk of mysticism and contemplation and screaming, what the actual fuck are you privileged middle-class matcha-sipping Facebook commenting asshats talking about? How does any of this matter? Like, really matter? I'll be honest, a part of me feels that way. See, at the time of this recording, we have just experienced the week in which Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, and five Dallas City police officers were murdered. A month ago, 50 people were gunned down by a homophobe in a nightclub. ISIS is proclaiming global jihad, Trump could be our next president, and England may have just triggered a global economic crisis by breaking it off with Europe. So I wouldn't blame you if all this esoteric discussion of philosophy and theology sounds about as constructive as walking into a freeway playing Pokemon Go. The world has real problems. There are real evil people doing really horrible things. Why are we sitting in a room talking about meditation and the reason for prayer? Prayer doesn't seem to be fixing anything, does it? It's easy to view contemplation and activism as opposed ideas. One sits around thinking, the other takes a stand and does something. So it's easy to see how some people might consider theology and philosophy somewhat unnecessary exercises, because the world needs help, and as has so often been pointed out, our thoughts and prayers aren't doing much. But philosophy is the study of how we think, and theology is the study of how we think about God. What we think informs what we believe. What we believe dictates how we act. To borrow the words of someone far smarter than myself, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he who believes does not flee. Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran theologian and a minister in Germany. He was arrested for treason by the Nazis. He was hung in a concentration camp. I grew up in traditions in which I heard this old tired refrain too often. The world is going to hell. I just can't wait for the Lord to come back. This concept is taken from a very literal reading of Revelation and became popularized among the American church throughout the last century. This theology is escapist and serves as a beautiful comfort blanket to those who don't know how to help the planet or are too wrapped up in their lives to try. It views God as other, as above, as being distant and disdainful of everything that exists in the physical plane. This is all just a temporary placeholder for us to prove our allegiance before it gets thrown away. It's bad theology. It's bad thinking. It leads to poor action. It's bullshit. The study of thought is essentially a study of value, and where we place our value is where we place our energy. Jesus, among many of the great spiritual teachers and thought shapers, have professed the idea that life is found in pursuit of the betterment of others, rather than the benefit of self. If you want to free yourself of suffering, free yourself of desire. If you seek to find your life, lose it. Love your neighbor and your enemy. The meaning of life is the service of others, and in it you will find fulfillment. Many of these notions are not unique to Christianity. They are ancient and widespread, and virtually every neurological study of happiness tends to focus on the key to happiness being the pursuit of happiness for others. But Christians have to take it a step further, by necessity, because of what we claim to believe. We do not have the luxury of following a wise man or a great teacher. There have been many of those throughout all time. 
What separates Christianity is the sticky issue that Jesus is somehow God with us. We believe he is the manifestation of an unknowable God in a relatable context. He claimed so himself. The language can be interpreted and the literal meaning of the mysterious things he said can be picked and pulled apart, but at a certain point, Jesus started to claim he shared the mind of God. This means that Jesus does not get the comfort of being another wise man like Buddha, Confucius, or George Carlin. He was either a crackpot madman tripping on his own influence, a brilliant con man riding spiritual leadership to fame, or the very outside possibility that maybe, just maybe, he was telling the truth. We can't really know for sure, and definitely can't claim to, but this is the question we as Christians have to deal with. If Jesus was telling the truth, then we have a glimpse at the center of absolute meaning, absolute value, the heart of God. And it's pointed directly at the poor and the ostracized, the victimized and the oppressed, those who are racially segregated, women who are treated as second class, and people considered undeserving of the right to life. Jesus seems to say the kingdom of heaven is right in front of you, but you are held back by chains of fear, hate, dogma, and greed. It's no accident that some of the greatest civil rights leaders in histories have been studiers of God, and it's no accident that they have lost their lives for it. Although, I suppose some might argue that finding a reason to lose your life is finding what life is really all about. And for the record, I knew it was pronounced matcha. Now, and this is where I already sense I lose some people when I mention drugs or whatever, and I don't really smoke that much weed anymore. Oh, let's get but, into it. Yeah, you won't lose but us. I, <laughs> but I will say, and it's been, it has been honestly years since I've done any kind of uh, psychedelic drug, uh, mushrooms specifically. But um, that is something that I've heard people talk about um, from a serious standpoint, not from like uh, even trying to put some mystical stuff on top of it, but just it maybe enhances our sensors of these extra planes of existence, of these extra planes of energy that we're not otherwise aware of in our day-to-day life. And it, it's, it can be a tool when used in that way. It can also be you know, misused and abused. A hundred percent. Because I think if our, if our brains are specifically just supercomputers designed to make meaning of the world around us, oh, yeah. like they are just... They're just a way for us to understand the things we see, hear, taste, touch. We are like, I can make sense of my surroundings. Mm -hmm. And then you take some mushrooms and like what those drugs are doing are literally reconnecting synapses. Right. So your brain is like, it normally connects one way. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, we're going to connect a different way momentarily. Yeah. Your brain starts acting as a different kind of machine that is going to interpret the world differently. Yep. So I have no doubt that... Like you might be, you might be experiencing some stuff that is just as real that we are just not programmed to experience the rest of the time. It's just not the way our brain regularly sits. Man, it's like, it's something that it's, it made me, it made me viscerally feel, uh, love or the mystical spiritual experience. And I think sometimes I think it's so, and I'm lifting this from Ram Dass too, but like we, we like to shit on anybody who's had a psychedelic religious experience, even though back in the seventies, apparently there was a study, a Harvard study done where they had a bunch of, uh, they didn't tell. So basically they had like 10 people take uh, mushrooms and then report whether they had like uh, certain aspects of a biblical religious experience, like whether they had, I can't remember the criteria, but like whether they talked to the vine or they had Mm -hmm. something. Now they took a bunch of, uh, theology professors didn't tell them that the respondents were on drugs, but just had them read the surveys <laughs> and be like, is this a biblical religious divine experience? Like, would you say this qualifies based on these biblical criteria? And they're like, like nine out of 10 of the people 
had like four or more aspects of a religious experience. And yet we don't want to believe that people can have a genuine mystical experience anymore. It's almost like the real mystical experiences were had by Jesus and Buddha and maybe Muhammad and maybe a couple of other saints through history. Those were the handful of, of mystics that have ever lived. And we're just going to have to take their word for it and what reality is. Right. right. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> so I talked know? to this guy on set once. He, I love him to death. He, uh, one of the craziest people I've ever met in my life, but very smart. And he, he talked about manna, uh, in the Old Testament, because it's, I don't know if mm-hmm. you heard this theory. Yeah, or it means like, what is this? this? Yeah, yeah. It, manna is what is this? It's literally like the translation <laughs> of what manna means, because um, it would grow overnight and it would then be, it'd be rotten by the afternoon. So you had to pick it real fast, eat it real fast, didn't mm-hmm. last, so you couldn't store it up. Um, which the Bible is like, oh, it's just a practice of like self reliance on, or like reliance on God every day, my daily bread, mm-hmm. manna, right? But they're starting to, his his theory that he had researched was like, manna are shrooms, bro. Like, these dudes are waking up every day wandering around the desert eating shrooms. Yeah. Like, no wonder they got A, lost, and B, heard visions from God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. Just, so, they just tripped for 40, 40 years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, much, man. Well, I mean, it does warp your sense of time, so it's probably Maybe like it a wasn't month. 40 years. <laughs> yeah. It was literally like just a long weekend. Oh, that was, that's incredible. <laughs> it is not actually 40 years. <laughs> I was like, good on you, mate. That's a good theory. Yeah. Can't prove that wrong. Yeah, I don't I don't know about like there's some there's a lot of like interesting I will say interesting because I don't know the real science behind it at all of like is it possible that human evolution was spurred on by mushrooms? Like the chimps right. take mushrooms. Joe Rogan that, would agree. Exactly. No, that yeah, I'm not. I'm not putting any claims yeah. either way. On it that literally exactly. made their brains evolve and became like more human esque as we know it today. Right. Because there was a rapid explosion of brain growth during yeah. the historical period. But that's all. That's as much as I know about it. Yeah. Um, even if that's that's all like irrelevant to the point that I think it can uh, potentially uh, give us mystical experience that being said it's been years and years since i had because there are some uh, practical real world <laughs> implications <laughs> to that but that's, that's, that's also a funny thing too and it's like because that, and that's again something that ramdas would talk about with that specific study it's like everybody's like oh cool like yes i definitely have had a religious experience on mushrooms do you want that again? No. <laughs> it's too disruptive. <laughs> that, that's really interesting because, I mean, the Bible is sort of marked by these these men and women having spiritual experiences. And time and time again, they are terrified. Yeah, they are right. deeply disturbed. Bad trips. They can never go back. You have, <laughs> right. these, you have these guys, like, wandering into the desert, and they're just never quite the same. Right. So yeah. it's like, eh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's crazy because you think about that, and it's like, well, then, then these people were writing the Bible, or they're writing in revelations like there's theories about john was just tripping on an island just like hallucinating and then he wrote book of revelations and yeah like that's how the world's gonna end and it's like well <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's think about it but then you have tons of musicians and tons of comedians i know that write on shrooms and it's right. like what do you do with that because the stuff that they're creating is good this is good art i mean so uh, yeah i don't know what you do with it i mean i, I, cr- I mean from like a moral judgment standpoint oh I don't it's know. easy to say like we just consume it it's awesome listen I, to the music like <laughs> right yeah i mean i try not but, to morally judge almost anything but, right uh, i'm kind of speaking from like the christian right what do they which do wants to label everything was right. that right or wrong what, yeah, yeah good or i mean helpful or unhelpful i don't know yeah i think sometimes it can be unhelpful I mean, that's why I haven't done it in a while. Maybe I need to. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Maybe we all need to. That'll be the next episode. I mean, I don't know. I, I follow uh, the old, again, I'm quoting like three people this entire podcast, but Alan Watts is like, once you, uh, with regard to psychedelics, he said, once you get the message, then you hang up the phone. 
like you don't keep oh, like you don't keep stuck on the phone forever and it's like that's mm. kind of what i feel with a lot of com- i had some fucking amazing times on them but i don't know i i have those memories i have those like those feelings i can draw back on hmm. um and that's that helps uh keep me going i guess well that that kind of uh, i love that comparison because I mean, swaying slightly off of the the psychedelic issue, um, that sort of touches on what you and I, Colton, have talked about in regards to um, Christians seeking these intense spiritual experiences, which is like, there is this, um, there's this groundswell and this movement in the modern American church. It's nothing new, but it's people seeking revival, people seeking Mm. the, you know, the, the powerful out of body. Yeah. And like really like where God is coming down and they want to be in that maelstrom. Mm. And, uh, I don't think that's that sounds a, cool to me, man. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> that I think awesome. That's what worship essentially is supposed to be. Right. I mean, worship is it's why it's why church service is so jarring because the lights go down, you play the music, the fog machine goes, you get weepy, <laughs> you get like you yeah. get emotional, the, yeah, the drum hits, and then it's cut to an intellectual sermon. Let me let me <laughs> let me go back so hard back to your body and into yeah. your mind now. Yeah. Uh, did that sound dirty? I don't know. I'm <laughs> back into your body. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's just such a jarring transition from like out yeah. of body to into mind. Yeah, and it's like yeah. whoa 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 like uh how do i navigate this this is not the best way to you don't like trip on mushrooms and then i don't know go go read a theological manifesto on the meaning like you know what i mean it's just totally, a different yeah. stimulation i think although i'll play i'll play devil's advocate for even doing it in that style even though i okay. haven't been to that style of church in a while um i have been to one or two in my time <laughs> but uh i do love like this this idea that um I don't know, the, the mind can be a great tool. I think mean, the mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master is a phrase that I've heard before. Shit. And it's, yeah, it's, a lot of it's really, and, this, and maybe, and like that just realized something that Woo. just made me kind of recontextualize maybe earlier parts of this conversation. When I was thinking about like my frustrations with language and concepts and reading and all that shit. Um, but that doesn't mean to say they're not helpful at all. It's just that I think if we, if I try, I know this about me. If I try to live purely from that headspace. I lose. I am the the noisy gong, as Paul would say. I am mm-hmm. the empty, like fucking flabbering lips, just yeah. saying a bunch of just loveless noise. Yeah, just giving yeah. like candy to your brain, but not doing anything for your soul, man. But it, right. it is about right. like preach. It is about <laughs> living from the heart, I think. And I think it's like it's so again about simple systems. It honestly, I don't think it's any more fucking complicated than love. Mm-hmm. Than love yourself and yeah. love others. With, I mean, the two, the first two commandments. That's like, what they love say. God and love others. It's that simple. It truly is that simple. Yeah. And maybe you can use the other stuff to help corral you and t- get back to that love. But if you forget that that's the real reason you're doing it, mm-hmm. I don't know. Then you get then you get in the judgment games and you get in the the like oh well the the intellectual quibbling and things yeah. like that. And that's so not the point. Yeah. It's just so to easy me. to fall into. It's so easy. Because oh ideas God, become so part of our identity and then we defend our identity. Which yep. is why the Zen thing is interesting because you detach from your identity. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, then you which, can, which is not an anti-Christian idea. Not like, at all. It is, yeah. That is something that Christ It's also not new age. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. so old. Very old. <laughs> yeah, and it's something yeah. that Christ is, that's central to his gospel is that you have to live life outside of yourself. Live life yeah. for others. Live life in pursuit of others. Um, and it's not about what you can get. It's not about what you receive. Don't ask to be put at the seat of honor. Yeah. Take the lowest seat and like whatever happens, happens. It's like uh, there's an old uh, Zen phrase. If you meet the Buddha in the road, uh, kill him. 
<laughs> and it's the same idea yeah. of like a fair like what he kind of had the attitude towards Pharisees. Like anybody who claims to be a Buddha is lying. Wait, who's that quote from? I can't remember who specifically said. It. I think it's just an old phrase. Okay, but it's, it's like a violent sure. phrase for a Buddhist. <laughs> no, but, but it's, it's like but, yeah, 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 no, I totally claiming to be yeah, anybody no, who's like I'm enlightened. I'm a, yeah. I've made it. You're like totally. you haven't. You just yeah. haven't. I mean, maybe killing you is would, a bit yeah, extreme. That's why I was like, like, oh, interesting uh, language <laughs> for. But anybody who claims to be that is a liar. And I think right, that's what right. you saw in the Pharisees is like your religious authority is nothing. Like mm-hmm. it's so it's so that's right. irrelevant. That's why you, I get the heebie-jeebies around Christian celebrities, man. Yeah, like Ooh. I get the heebie-jeebies. It's, it's yeah. so weird to me. Good old Joel Osteen. <laughs> oh, Osteen, Osteen. Oh Jesus! Um, Maybe we should do a different episode. <laughs> I I wanted to ask you about this, um, and this kind of goes by. We 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 do we don't want this to just become an echo chamber. So right. I find a lot of the time as a. Uh, as a modern American, like a young man, uh, it's getting weirder and weirder for me to continue to profess to be a Christian. There's mm-hmm. sort of, it's kind of, there, mm-hmm. there's sort of this, um, like, hey, bro, no judgment, but like, why? Like, yeah. why, why even like hold on to that? Why even cling to that? Because I think, I think there is sort of this concept of like, what's the difference between, is there any difference between Jesus, Buddha, these other spiritual, is there a difference at all? Why would you cling to one? Um, I don't necessarily want to like dive right into my thoughts. I'm interested in your thoughts mm-hmm. on that. Are they, are they all equal? Are they all saying the same things? Are they all tapping into the same things? Right. Um, I'm just interested in, in your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think at their core, they, and maybe the original teachers uh, versus what we've had passed down. I, I think they were all essentially getting at the same thing, which is that universal oneness and that, I mean, things that we've talked about on this episode already. I think Jesus, Buddha, lots of the other great mystics would all say things about emptiness. There's a fundamental, uh, there's a a relative truth and an absolute truth. I think that's a Richard Rohr thing he he talked about. But like relative truth is that the things that are the difference between me and you and you and this computer and whatever, like those, that's, there's a, there's a, there's a truth to that. And that I can interact with those things separately. But the absolute truth is that we are all the same. There is a, there is a, we're all in this, we're all under that blanket together. Um, I think that's what they're all getting at. I mean, as far as what the religions say, Maybe one of the one of the thesis sees is that the word that I don't know. One of the <laughs> thesis, <laughs> the thesis, state, oh, thesis statements. That's okay. the way you say that. Uh, <laughs> of I guess my podcast is that they, I think there's some truth and some bullshit in all of the religions, and so because I think the religious traditions are are cultural um, constructs and social constructs that have a lot of the great stuff from the original people, but. And as they've evolved over time, then they've been, I think all the religions to some degree, most of them have had that, those internal conversations about steering things one way or the other, or we've gone too much this way, we've gone too much that way, et cetera. Um, So yeah, I guess that's my, my short-term thoughts. I mean, I personally don't call myself a Christian. I don't feel comfortable labeling myself anything Mm -hmm. at all, because I think labels are ultimately divisive and almost usually unhelpful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's helpful if you want to fit into a certain tribe and you want, like you would say, Hey, I'm this, I'm in this tribe. You're in this tribe too, right? Hell yeah. yeah we're both tribe members. And that's like, that can be a cool, like unity thing. Like it can be oh, a good huge, way to yeah. like yeah. help identify you as like, yeah, I'm a comedian. It's You're a comedian a survival too. Technique, to- it yeah. totally is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think to say I would, I'm a Christian, it, it would be just a, I don't know, misleading, I think to, hmm. 
I think it would only be misleading because of the way we understand Christianity in the West and certainly in America because you're like, you're a Christian, why do you vote for Trump? And you're like, whoa, big leap. Big leap. (laughs) But that's that's how I feel it will be perceived. And the quote, I think this is a roar quote, but um, he he says, we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... You, yep. even what you said about religions like there's a little bit of bullshit and a little bit of truth and everything I'm like well that's because I have a little bit of bullshit in me and a little <laughs> yep. bit of truth and yep. I project that onto Buddhism or Christianity or my non-religious friends or my religious friends like they're all coming through my lens of bullshit and truth totally so man. it's hard to like have this uniform identity when you're constantly kind of yeah. split yeah and I don't know I think humans are yeah complex and we're paradoxes and right. we're contradictions we're congruent contradiction yeah. uh, in and of itself and that's what makes so much consternation happen like but why this and why yeah. this these opposing things it's like well i don't know because that's how it is right <laughs> and <laughs> those questions are the most important thing yeah like, I, I i was literally having dinner with a friend the other day and i was i found myself getting so upset because we we're referencing we we're referencing some story of the thing that happened to us in the, in the past at church and it was somebody had said who's talking about this really complicated issue. And he's like, well, if somebody asked, just tell them it's the Bible is very clear about this. Hmm. And I, even in retelling the story was getting so <laughs> uncomfortably upset about it. Yeah. I had to like catch myself and tone it down. But I was like, nothing is that clear. Are you kidding me? The You're Bible telling is very clear. clear on this. This, this thousand year old uh, book. And it's an issue that yeah. everyone fights about in the church. And I was like, ha, ha how can you say that? Like, oh, you're not, man. yeah, you, oh so man, like, I, I found I, myself like at a loss for words. Yeah. I grew up, I grew up with that phrase. I grew up with the, the language of the Bible is very oh. clear on this. The Bible is black and white about this. Oh. And it, mm. it, it brought me to a point of like, well then I guess it's all wrong. And I threw it all away. Same. Yeah. And then yeah. somebody finally being like, uh, it doesn't have to be. And I was like, oh, I guess I can approach it again. Yeah, the lack of black and white, and what I think of the, if we want to, if there's anything quote unquote real about the Bible, I think it's that it's not black and white and that yeah. there's contradictory phrases all over it. That's what makes it so like useful and still interesting right. to me. Right. That's what makes it beautiful. And worthwhile. It's not like obvious. The, yeah, exactly. It takes wisdom to figure it out. And I, yeah. I think that phrase, like the Bible's very clear on this. And the second one is, <laughs> how can you do that and call yourself a Christian? Oh. I think those are the two most damaging phrases in in the religious world yeah i mean that that just destroys any hope for relationship i do yeah i just (laughs) i I think this is this is part of uh colton and i's interest in doing this podcast as you mentioned the use of the word tribe because it is incredibly it's innately human to to seek like tribal lines yeah which create tribal divisions. And we were actually a part of a church that actively used the word tribe. Mm -hmm. This is our tribe. You're a part of this tribe. And very proud about it. Um, And I just got to the point where I was like, I don't think this is what Christ talked about. I don't think this was the idea. I don't know that tribalism, it's natural, but I don't know that it is optimal. And there's this... perfect way to say that. um, Yeah. I think that it's like, because I make the differentiation between some things are natural, uh, but I believe in things that may be supernatural. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm less interested in, like, I'm a Christian and I, I dare call myself a Christian because there's nothing else to call myself, unfortunately. Yeah. You don't call yourself a Christian for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Yet here we are having a conversation agreeing <laughs> on lots of stuff. Yeah. And it's like... 
Yeah. Well, then I'm, I guess I'm just not interested in the delineation anymore. Totally, man. Because I keep meeting people like you. Yeah. And I'm like, what? They just... I, we're not in vastly different places. No, yeah, and that, that's my been that's totally been my part of my resistance to joining any given church, even one like All Saints that doesn't really discriminate whether you yeah, <laughs> actually yeah. are Christian or not. <laughs> um, yeah, it's that I get antsy feeling too much in that tribe. I think probably yeah. for the same reasons you said. I don't. Maybe that's hurt me though. And sometimes, sometimes I think it might be. It is would make me happier to feel like, oh, oh I really it does am. feel good. It does feel good. It does yeah. give you a sort of a sense of identity. It sort of gives you a sense of direction of like, it gives oh, people this to is... hang out with on Saturday night. And right, it gives you community. Right, and yeah. versus what I do now, I sort of flip between lots of tribes. I don't yeah. really ever feel totally at home with one of them, and that kind of sucks too. Because no, you're kind of like, that world yeah, as well. it's not fun being an outsider all the time. But, um, and I don't know, maybe. <laughs> sometimes I think about tribes and how like maybe there's a there's a book that um, is called The Way of Men this mm-hmm. is getting more into masculine energy type shit yeah. like masculine feminine stuff but like how men were like we arose in gangs and like we have mm. a negative connotation towards gang uh, but like the idea that we have like we do work best in like small little groups of like little teams yeah. <laughs> and like with team using teamwork, like specializing different roles. And we can, we can create something that's greater than the sum of our parts by going in a gang or a tribe thing. Uh, so I totally agree with what you're saying. However, I always have to play devil's advocate against yeah. <laughs> anything. It is. It, I, I struggle with it personally because like I, I'm interested in finding the places where like, I'm interested in the spaces where the where the Venn diagram like intersects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you you know you have to have two circles to create a Venn diagram. And you're right, we do. I think there's a I think there is a difference between um, God, at this point like it is just mincing words and it's just like, <laughs> it's just like linguistic <laughs> devices. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I have a harder time with the concept of tribes than I do with the concept of community. Like and and it is right. a it's yeah, a it's a, ling- yeah. it's a linguistic device, but it's kind of like I have my I have my close friends that it's like um, in times of need I would go to them. Your in inner t- circle, yeah. You you yeah. have those people, but it is not that's uh, family, man. It's it's yeah. not the same sense of like put on this jersey, you're one of us. Totally, Wear this color, yeah. you're one of us. Yeah. Use this phraseology, use these words. Because then what happens us. if you right. don't think the Bible is really clear on something? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because, oh, exactly. I gotta leave. Because then it's yeah. like, well, yeah. listen, the rest of the tribe got together and we're not sure <laughs> yeah. that you can, you know, you yeah. gotta get this sorted out so that you can come back into the tribe. Why don't you take some you're, time? Yeah, and, totally. Uh, it, tribes definitely are a little small. I mean, that's what I think of when I think of tribe. It's like finite. There's yeah. a limit to its size. There's in-group and out-group thinking. Yeah, uh, that I'm not, as we've discussed, we're not huge fans of. Um, so totally, yeah. Right. The community is a great, great word, and I think it's a human need to have that. And maybe that's what I'm struggling with is like, because tribes can be a shortcut to having a community. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's easy just to yeah. say, yeah, I believe what you guys believe. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. But what and to bring it back again to Ed, good old Ed Bacon because his eight habits of love. One, uh, the book, great yep. book if you've never read it. But uh, one of them is uh, community, and he talks about like 
candor being another habit of love and candor being a necessary part of community and that you can't have it's so boring to have a community that is homogenous and just agrees with itself all the time but it's so hard for us to have like honest disagreements especially nowadays I feel like I haven't had like a face to face disagreement with somebody in fucking years (laughs) like it's like I I feel like we're so avoidant so passive aggressive now with technology whatever like oh maybe it's an LA thing too like I'll just avoid this I'll never have to see this person again in this city that's what the beautiful thing about it uh, a church like All Saints is where there's a ton of like ritual which I used to really not like because it felt mindless like you sit you stand you sing that song you mm-hmm. take communion like I don't like this but people like Roar their whole point is the ritual is what brings us together this yeah. ritual is a yeah. container for a lot more diversity than we believe the Bible is very clear because that's a very narrow window for people to fit into but it's like Christmas if we all buy trees and we all do presents and we all yep. hang lights it all we can we can be crazy as shit and still come together and yeah. do these traditions or you know Hanukkah or whatever. It's all just a ritual to contain the vast diversity of human belief totally. and character. And that's something that's, that's it. it's like a it's like prayer. It's like maybe you don't even have to believe in the ritual, but it can still work for you. It can right. still create a community even if you're like, oh, this is silly. This is right. all so pointless. Sit, stand, sit, stand. Like uh, Dean Smith, who was uh, the head coach of. Uh, the best basketball team of all time, uh, <laughs> University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, if we get into sports, Dan might not. Uh, he might leave. <laughs> I've, I've already left. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just preface this. I, he has a great book um, about his life. He, he's a past. But anyway, he talks about like ritual building, uh, that team dynamic, and how rituals, uh, yeah, they are just simple even the simple acts of like he created some like you always point to the person who passed you the ball when you score or like mm-hmm. the things of like coming in together like all yeah. hands in a circle yeah. like mm-hmm. sometimes like as you I don't know if you've ever played sports but yeah. like as when you start doing that you're like this is especially for me who's like has that outsider type thing like this is so stupid Right. All right, on three, one, two, three, go team! Like, oh, cool, yeah, then yeah. Go team, <laughs> let's go team. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. holy shit, yeah, I do let's like. Go I do want to go team. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, and um, it's like unwritten rules in baseball that are, and things everybody does, where you're just like, this is a, uh, this is another form of communication, kind of like music, where we're not using language, which we've all just said is really like binding yeah. and limiting. We have a ritual which lets me communicate with you in a different way, yeah, which is actually more fulfilling than these words and. Well, and it's like this is this is uh, significant, like. This is a shallower space, obviously. But you and I met doing stand-up, and then kind of both of us naturally sort of found our way into improv. And mm-hmm. I think there is something... Uh, I know, for me, the the team thing appeals to me. Totally, the sense yeah. of, like, camaraderie, that whole... Selflessness. Like, the whole, like, I got your back, I'm here to support you. Right. It's not about me getting the laugh, it's giving about the laugh happening. Right. Yeah, giving each other gifts. Right. Um, like... That's a really attractive element to me, and Same, I know you yeah, you yeah. still do more stand up than than I currently am doing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there, no, I love all that stuff too. Yeah, yeah, there's something powerful about that for sure. No doubt about it. Do yeah. you mind if I ask? Uh, this is something that you you said like you haven't had like an open disagreement with somebody in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to <laughs> yes. pose something that you might like openly disagree with, and that's totally fine because I want your take on it. Yeah, because as I'm exploring my faith and trying to get to I'm trying to get to the bottom for me of like, why Christianity? Why, why God? Why Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, because I still like, I still get hung up on that notion of like, is this really necessary? Like, could I do this without all of this? Cause this comes with a lot of like past baggage for me and stuff like that. This is tied to a lot of guilt that I would like to leave behind all that stuff. Um, what I come to when I look at, if I just reduce it down to like the life of Jesus, uh, and looking at him in comparison to like the life of Buddha, these other spiritual leaders, um, other philosophies and teachings, 
what appeals to me about Christ, about Jesus, and about Christianity is this recurring notion that I don't have the power to do it. I have to, I have to draw on something beyond myself. I have to depend on something beyond myself. Whereas like in talking to Buddhists, there is this notion that nirvana is achievable in and of yourself. Mm -hmm. You can do this. And I don't feel like I could. I don't feel like there's any way I could get to total selflessness, total abandon, total mm -hmm. peace in my own power. The only way I find a sense of when I do find those senses of peace, of wholeness, it's within the paradigm of like, um, I am, I am in Christ. Christ has me. Christ loves me. My identity and my security is in that. Um, I'm interested in what like an outsider response to that might be because I'm still exploring. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Again, mincing words and maybe quibbling on some stuff, but like, I think you're right in that, like, maybe on an individual level, uh, the way you call it a nirvana or whatever you, you want to, however you want to phrase that, may, might be achievable on an individual level. But Buddhism definitely uh, stresses the interdependence of all things and the inner dependencies that uh, are naturally a part of this universe. And so I don't know if it's necessarily a totally, I, I totally get how you can feel that way, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily an isolating individual thing i guess where i what i keep kind of thinking of is like where i where i feel about uh christ i guess is like i think i think of christ as an example but i don't know if i if i see him as like this this outsider or this father figure i i think there might have been a big mix-up 2,000 years ago and that... <laughs> Where did we put that body? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but that uh, I, think, I think his fundamental message would have been uh, not that Christ is the capital V, capital S, son of God, but yeah, Jesus is the son of God, but you're the son of God too, and you're the mm. son of God. We're all... That's what he means by we're all children of God. Mm -hmm. We're all... We do all have this individual... Uh, power and ability to change our lives if we if we accept maybe these fundamental things and we do uh, <laughs> live from a loving place. Now, I don't think um, I don't think we necessarily need quote unquote church for that. I think it's a great shortcut and a great thing. Maybe some individuals might need it, um, and some people it's like even if like I don't know. Even as somebody who has dabbled in some of these other traditions sometimes it's just easier to talk about with the link with like the the rituals and the language and the constructs that i grew up with that was like my tradition that was my heritage my these are things that i've like had thousands of hours of like familiarity with so it's like maybe sometimes it's more there's less thinking involved when i go to a church because i'm not like noticing all these different aspects like i know like why the stained glass is there i know what image is depicting right um so, yeah, I don't know. Well, I think I think those I think that's really important because I know uh, I know for a fact there are people that um, have tuned into this podcast and probably will continue to tune in that we both know who are uh, they're in periods of like they're in periods of doubt with yeah. their faith and they're in periods of uh, what is what is really the important stuff? What's really the stuff to cling to? Yeah. And I think like just the freedom to explore what you're talking about is important so that you don't feel trapped. What I, hmm. this is what I, I was thinking about this earlier today too. What I, <laughs> I, this is 
I guess a paradoxical statement, but what I believe is that beliefs are kind of not important. <laughs> like the, the, like mm. the specific, mm. my belief of or what the external reality is, is so irrelevant. I really truly think that. And uh, it, that's something I, I call like spiritual materialism. Like it's, it's just another way to like be totally invested or possessive of certain concept of like, Oh God, as a, as an external thing, Jesus as an external thing, these as, or like, Oh, God's not real. I'm going to hold on to that concept. I'm going to hold on fast to, to Jesus. There's nothing supernatural about him at all. I don't know. I think it's all, I think these beliefs are, they're trying to fill in something for us, but I don't know if any of it that matters as mm. much. I, th- I think you can go to church and not believe it, and nobody would know a fucking difference. Um, That's probably true. Oh man, I want to push back on this a little bit. Push, I want, uh, yeah, I, push, yeah. I think, I think what you believe shapes your life more than anything else. Um, we're just not very honest about what we actually believe most of the time. So we're like, if I believe Jesus is the Son of Man or not, it doesn't really matter. And it's like, well, what do you actually believe? Like, do you actually believe that your virtues and your nobility is rewarded by people are attracted to you um right what do you believe about fate coincidence uh like consequence like we all have beliefs about these things we tend to not be super honest about like what they actually are i think Anne lamont kind of she has a quote like you can't use your own sick mind to heal your own sick mind so her point in that is like we're often very skewed at understanding what we are understanding yeah yeah you can't think your way out of a thinking problem exactly so that's why I think like beliefs are so important because you I think we need those periods of contemplation and silence and meditation to really understand well what do I really believe which is kind of where we hit doubt because we have all this Jesus language and then we realize we look at our actions and we're like I don't act like I believe in this at all so why am I holding on to this shit yeah like it doesn't it doesn't factor into my life but that's not to say the beliefs are important that's just to say like I need to understand what I actually believe because my life is taking me down a trajectory that I don't fucking understand right right. because I have this Jesus language God is supposed to help me he's supposed to take care of my life and give me a good job and a family and none of that shit's happening right so what and that's where that's why I think belief is so 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 important because you don't understand your doubts unless you understand your beliefs and your doubts are driving your every day see that's what I'm saying man you're pushing me back on being a fence sitter because as soon as I'm like yeah that's all that's all good points Um, I tend to be the same way and we have these conversations all the time and I'm just like I don't fucking know I don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess I guess maybe yeah I definitely yeah what you said was all was all good shit I think Maybe it's that fundamental uncertainty that feels important to me. Maybe why I distrust belief in general is once I start believing really anything. I think you distrust certainty yeah. is what it sounds like because you have beliefs. I mean, the whole, we've been yeah. here for an hour and 20 minutes and yeah. you believe in a yeah, lot of good sure. stuff. I mean, these quotes, these philosophers and thinkers, you believe in their yeah. teachings. But the certainty I get you is very, um, oof, it just, you know, freaks you out. I mean, it freaks me out too. Yeah. I think it freaks a lot of us out. I think. But I, we crave it. That's it's why churches, like, there's mega churches. <laughs> yeah. I think that is what I, um, I think that's always what I've really liked about you as a thinker and as a seeker is that you kind of hit the wall on certain things and gave yourself the freedom to ask questions and gave yourself yeah. the freedom to look and to seek and to explore. And, uh, I don't know that they're, I mean, I don't. I don't want to like use the word destination because it implies that the journey stops at a certain point. Right. But I just consistently get the impression that you just continue to seek. You like you. I like that you don't seem to land and then you're just like done. 
yeah. you're just like, I'm yeah. good. Anytime I've tried to do that, I feel really uneasy. I think I think that more uh, I think that more Christians could probably take a page from that book. That's kind of what I was saying. You seem more Christian than, or do, to, you seem to do more Christian, quote unquote, Christian things than uh, other Christians because you you exhibit a level of like authenticity um, that I think is highly praised in Christian tradition, yeah. but is not highly experienced in our world today. Uh, if man, that makes sense. I'm just glad you guys can't see like the inside of my apartment. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's the sad like state like this. The the video game suck holes I can get like drawn into. Yeah. Or, like, we all have that. What was the quote in your podcast? It's like a seductive sadness. Oh yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I definitely think me and Dan. Have <laughs> yeah, that. Listen, I love that. I was like, yeah. ooh, ooh yeah. yeah, getting yeah. that on a shirt. A seductive <laughs> sadness. sadness. Yeah. I think if you're absorbing the world, you're going to tend to have that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why you play video games because you're absorbing so much of it, and your your yeah. beliefs are, are guiding you to a place of. Well, I've tried to kick video games. I mean, I've kicked. I didn't play hardly <laughs> any for like three years, and starting to starting to dabble back into VR stuff really fascinates me and excites me. So. I can't even have it in my house because it'll just be a problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, that's a whole. Other, <laughs> I enjoy it too much. That's a whole entirely different yeah. discussion that I'm not even ready to have. There's no but, TV uh, in my bedroom for a reason. It's like <laughs> yeah. no, I just try to like get the I, totally um, yeah. But anyway, this is this has been. Uh, an amazing interview. Yeah, uh, it is eight thousand degrees in here, so yeah. we want to we want to release you. Um, <laughs> I figure we just end yeah. on. Yep. Uh, so what we like to ask people, uh, what we've been asking people in closing, um, and feel free to answer this. Answer this, whatever it means for you. What right. we've been asking is, um, what is something you would like more people to know about uh, God or faith? Um, that can be spirituality. That can be the exploration, whatever that means to you, what is something you wish uh, you wish to communicate to people? Let me pause for a second. <laughs> oh, uh, I'll say this, and that this is based on, I've been reading Don Miguel Ruiz, who is a, uh, he wrote The Four Agreements, but he also wrote mm. another book called The Mastery of Love, which has been changing my life recently. Um, I think it's, if there's anything I'd like people to know, I think it's a sim- it is as simple as love everyone, love generously, which starts with loving yourself, but like you don't need anybody to help you love. You don't need to rely on anybody to love. I think love can be a self-generated thing. And, you know, I don't think even this may be good. This may be because that's odds with your, your view of Christianity, but I don't think we need Jesus to love. I think uh, church is somewhere where we can bring love to and not necessarily wait to receive love from. I think it ends up can be a beautiful interdependent thing that way. But I think, yeah generating love <laughs> from your from within and starting with yourself i don't know that's got too complicated i said I was no keep it no but that's great that's that's exactly what we want is those yeah. kinds of thoughts joe where can people find you follow you uh i'm on twitter joe underscore quint I, that's mostly just like insane rambling weird <laughs> shit from me it. um but choose your own religion.com that's the podcast stitcher and itunes yeah if you're into yeah, this no. podcast please check out choose your own religion um it's a great podcast he's done some really interesting stuff over there yeah, yeah. thank Dude, you so much thanks so much for having me this awesome. Is awesome thank you brother man thank you thank dude. you as improvisers so say got your back dude i got your back got your back that was great